0: Awesome, I like that. Are y'all ready? Hungry? I'm glad. I'm glad you're hungry. My, I want to say this, this is not in reference to what Terrence just said, this is, I always say this, it's not my job to feed you. It's your job to feed yourselves. My job is to give you knives and forks. So you can go home and dig in the Word and dig in your relationship with God and fix you up the nice steak and asparagus and corn on the cob, whatever you like. That's what we like to cook in our grill at home. Uh, whatever you like to cook, you're supposed to be able to do it at home. I'm here to equip you and give you tools so that you can do this. Now, that doesn't mean that when you come to church you don't get fed, because we do. When we come together, we get fed, we spend time together, we grow, and there's this synergy that takes place. But it's your job to, to be fed during the week. And if you only eat one time a week, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> you know what the scary thing is? If you only eat when you come to church, you'll eat anything else. You'll eat anything because you're so hungry. You'll even eat things that aren't even true. But man, when you eat the Word every day and spend time with Him and, and quality time and be, become intimate with Him, He's so good. The Bible says, taste and see that He is good. When we taste of the real, we don't want anything that's not real. Right? And that's how we keep ourselves from deception. That's how we keep ourselves from following other things that aren't godly. Amen? Is feed on Him. Because at the same time we're being satisfied, He makes us hungry. I don't, I've never really eaten a food that while I'm eating it, I'm so satisfied but I'm hungrier as I eat it. I always get full. But when you partake of Him... He satisfies you and makes you hungry all at the same time. It's like it's a mystery, right? And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to consume Him and, and just take the Word and, and, and take Him into us, right? And become hungrier all the while we're becoming satisfied. Amen? So you're, you're, you're ready to go today. Um, remember last week, last week I had a couple of sermons. I'm going to preach the second one today. And I'm not really going to preach. I'm going to read something that I typed, which I don't... I don't like to do that very often. I don't remember ever doing that here. Um, But there are times when the Lord will give me a prophetic word, and I will just type what it is, and I just feel like I need to read that today. This will be the most straightforward thing you'll probably ever hear me say. You're going to be like, who is that guy preaching today? That didn't sound like Jared. That sounded like somebody else. Um, This is the word of the Lord for our house, right? And so... I'm asking that you just open your hearts right now and, and hear it because it's, it's the truth and it's going to come to you straight, unfiltered, <laughs> right? You guys good? Why don't we do this? Lord, prepare my heart. Why don't you just pray for yourself, Lord, prepare my heart. Amen. I love that we start out, with the, the truth sets us free. Him the Son sets free is free indeed. How many people want to leave completely free? Like, I mean, that thing that's been a hindrance or a a thing that's just been hanging on for so long, the Lord doesn't want you to carry that thing around. It's an unnecessary weight, and you weren't created to carry it. You weren't created to carry it. You were born as a new creation, streamlined to run faster, jump higher, and be stronger. The new man is supposed to be faster, stronger, tougher, He's like on HGH or something, right? Or steroids, the new man. He's supposed to be sleek. He's supposed to grow bigger yet faster. I don't know how that happens, but that's what we're supposed to be spiritually. So if we're getting bogged down with things, the Lord wants to cut ties with those things today. And I know last week, if you weren't here, um, please listen to it on the website or ask for a CD. Um, It it speaks to the heart of the church that there's an emerging person inside of you that the Lord speaks to and deals with. And today the Lord's going to deal with us today. Amen? Amen. So I want to ask you a question, I guess this would be what I'm going to call it, is what is the value of your birthright? What, what, do you, what value do you place on your birthright? In 1 John chapter 3, um, if you want to open there you can, I'm just going to read it. Um, it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. How many of you have ever heard this scripture before? How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You've got to read your Bible more. That we should be called children of God. So the way he shows that he loves us is he makes us sons and daughters. How cool is that? Like sometimes when somebody loves somebody, they give them a gift or they do something nice for them. He went beyond giving a gift and doing something nice. He says, I'm going to adopt you and make you one of my sons and daughters. That's our birthright. That's our inheritance. Amen? It says... That, he, that we should be called children of God. And it says, and that is what we are. It says, the reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him either. So we're not supposed to get upset when the world laughs at, at spiritual things and, and stuff like that. They didn't know him. At, at, at some point very soon, they will know him. I believe that everyone's harvestable right now. So I believe there's going to be a great harvest come in. But we're not to be concerned with what the world thinks of us or what people think of us. We're only to be concerned with what God thinks. And he says, you're his son and you're his daughter. That's your birthright. I can't think of a greater inheritance for us to have than to be called sons and daughters. Ah. So when we were born again, we were born of the spirit. And our birthright is we're his children. Now, you ready? I'm going to read this. And it's hard hitting, right? They say that everything is for sale. For the right price. Anyone ever heard that before? <laughs> everything's for sale. Don't tell me that's not for sale. If you get in the room with a wealthy enough person, everything's for sale, in the world system. Now, what I'm about to say, I want you to, I want you to hear it, okay, with your, with your spiritual ears. And um, the Lady Gagas of the world, what did you think of when you heard Lady Gaga? The Lady Gagas of the world are pawns in the hand of a machine that has an antichrist agenda. It will use anyone who will sell themselves out for fame or for fortune. This machine takes people's desires for acceptance and exploits them for their cause. Once the world drowns out their voice, the machine kicks that pawn to the curb and raises up another one in its place. I feel sympathetic for the Lady Gagas of the world because they sell themselves out for short-lived adoration and reject the true love of their Father. Hmm. Matthew 24, 12 says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is the condition where there is no law, Where there's a hatred for good and a love for what is not good. It's where wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong. And if that doesn't describe the world we live in today, I don't know what does. This is where we're at now, but it's going to shift, okay? We're not going to stay here. More people are going to go to heaven than go to hell. But this is true right now. Good is bad and bad is good and everything's upside down. There's no justice. The Bible says in Daniel that the the court would be set for justice. And the Lord will restore the balance of justice to the scales. Modern day television makes billions finding out what their star's price is. And they call it reality TV. From Fear Factor, in the old days of Fear Factor, to Survivor. From Jersey Shore to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or New Jersey or wherever else. Atlanta or Dallas or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Thank God. These shows capitalize on discovering what people truly value or don't value, depending on your perspective. And they pay them handsomely to sell themselves out. Then when Hollywood is done, same story, they buy another toy and they use them for a season. Can somebody... uh... Guys, but what are people really selling? You're like, What is whoa, this is like somber. I told you this is something like you won't hear (laughs) very often from me. So, what are people selling? They're selling their integrity. What is integrity? I'm just gonna read from here on, okay? What is integrity? It means to be whole, complete, sound, perfect, or upright. How many knows the story of Job? How everything was ripped from his life, right? I want you to hear some things that Job said to people. In Job 2, verse 7 through 9. So so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his uh, feet to the top of his head. And Job took a piece of broken pottery. Wow. And was scraping the sores because they itched and it hurt so bad. He was scraping the wounds on his body with broken pottery and he sat there among ashes because everything that he had, would, a tornado came and, and fire came and all the stuff that happened to him. And he sat in the ashes and scraped his sores. And his encouraging, loving wife comes to him and says, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. She knew what he was holding on to. And it was more valuable than possessions It was more valuable than than anything that he had, that he had attained and earned for himself. His name and his integrity was more valuable to him than anything. In Job 6.29, some of his friends told him to just curse God. They all wanted him to curse God. Like, come on, dude. You're just like, I don't know what your problem is. God must not like you very much. That's what they're telling him. God must not like you because he did all this evil stuff to you. And he says to him, God, relent this this stuff that's happening to me. Reconsider, because my integrity is at stake. He was praying to God, not God give me back my family, not God give me back my houses, not God give me back my money, my wealth, my, my recognition, my health. He didn't ask for any of those things to be restored to him. But what he did pray was, God, protect the integrity of my heart. Don't let what's going on out here affect the integrity of what's in here between me and you. He told his friends in Job 27, As long as I have life within me and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness and my tongue will never utter deceit. I will never admit to you that you are right. In other words, I will never admit that God doesn't love me because I know him. He says, until I die, I will not deny my integrity. Amazing man. Uh, Proverbs 10.9 says, a man of integrity walks with security, but the one who takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You guys still with me? It's going to get even more fun, I promise. (laughs) Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows a sinner. And guys, I want you to remember this. This is very important. Righteousness is, is positional. It's not about behavior. It's about being in right relationship with the Father. Job had no reason, no external things going on to prove that he was righteous. But he kept that connection between him and Daddy, and that proved that he was righteous. Righteousness is a positional thing. It's not a behavioral thing. My position with him being in right relationship will absolutely affect my behavior, but it can't flip and do it the other way around. It won't work behavior first. makes me right with God. It only works when I'm right with God that it flows into my relationship. So when I talk about Lady Gaga or when I talk about Real Housewives or when I talk about anything that reality or television or our world, don't be judgmental. I'm not trying to be judgmental today. I'm trying to paint a picture. Because every one of us, our integrity is at stake. And every one of us has a price. You guys okay? What temperature do things have to get to before you abandon your integrity? How hot does it have to get before you jump out? Say, this is too hard for me. In war, soldiers are trained to not break in any enemy interrogation. So we're soldiers, <laughs> and the main thing the enemy wants from us is our integrity. He doesn't care about your house. He really d- If you think the enemy cares about your house and your car and your money, and if your bills are paid, and all, you're crazy if you think that's his focus. What he cares about is your positional relationship with daddy. What he cares about is will you abandon your integrity for other things? So what's your breaking point point in your price? Now, let me tell you, as I was writing this, the Lord was saying you to me. So when I say this, this is absolutely not a judgmental thing. I sat, and as I wrote this, I began to cry and began to examine myself and, and have sense. And this word's been in my heart for a couple of weeks now. I read it to my wife, and it's just been, it's been eating me up. It's been taking care of some stuff in me. So I'm, I'm praying that it'll do the same thing for you today. What's your price or your breaking point? Is it a gift from someone that fulfills a need or want, even though the gift was obtained through questionable methods? You're like, well, what does that mean? Read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they said that they sold land for a certain amount of money, and they wanted to give it to the church as if they were just big, bad people, but they kept some of the money to themselves because they sold it at such a great price, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. How many remember the story? They came up and he falls dead. Tells the story. Is that, is that all the money you got from your sale? He's like, absolutely. And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, the, uh, Peter's like, you're going to die. Boom, he falls dead. People come in, carry his dead body out of the church. Can you imagine if that happened today in, in church culture, church world? Now let me, let me say this before I go on. If you're trying to get a feel for the church culture here... You need to listen to other stuff that we talk about. <laughs> I'm okay. Because this isn't how we are as a church, right? You guys know that. Have you been here for any? So I want you to know this. This is dealing with an integrity issue with, with us. The Lord wants to deal with integrity. He, he would rather us be right and pure than for us to be fat and wealthy and have all this kind of stuff. He wants us to be pure. The Bible says who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can even see him? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and so the Lord wants to deal with this today we don't we don't talk about this a lot here um, and we don't have sermons that that have this type of um, conviction on it but that's what we need today conviction is a good thing it's not a bad thing to be convicted Amen? amen so what's your breaking point is money the thing that can sink your integrity boat No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll hold to one and be loyal to them and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's Matthew 6, 24. And the word mammon is actually wealth, riches, rewards, treasure, or money. Can't serve God and those things. You guys good? Are worldly things more appealing to search after than our maker? Do we passionately consume the latest entertainment at the expense of faithfulness to God or at the expense of being financially responsible? You guys with me? This is tough, right? Can being obedient with only 10% of your income really cause you to sell out? Do you really believe that you can steward your finances better than our provider? Or do you value the 10% more than you should? Is that job that takes you away from your family or away from God and His people worth it? Is your integrity for sale? And if so, what's your breaking point? Is it a secret sin that flourishes with accessibility? The World Wide Web, the world at your fingertips. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what will man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 22 through 26. Is something more valuable because it's easy to find? Value is measured by what someone is willing to pay to obtain something. It's a supply and demand issue. If you have high supply and low demand, you have low value. Anyone ever take an economics class? Here we go. High supply. You've got tons of these little toys and no one wants them. You have to sell them at a really low price to get rid of them. Or if you have a low supply and low demand, then it's the lowest price that you could even have. No one wants it, and you barely have any of them. It's not worth anything, right? High supply and high demand is a high value. You have a lot of stuff, and a lot of people want it, so you can charge a lot of money and get rich for it, right? But if you have a low supply and a high demand, that's where you have the highest value. I just want to draw a distinction here. Jesus was the one and only, and there was a high demand for him, and he is the highest price. His life... ...was the highest value. But he also did the same thing for us. He saw that we were valuable. He pursued us like we were the pearl of great price... ...before we ever knew him as the pearl of great price. Is there a secret passion that's fueled by a higher value for lust than for love? How beautiful does a woman have to be... ...for you to sell out your integrity or relationship with your wife and family? Does she have to be hot... If so, how hot? Seven? An eight? Whoa. (laughs) How hot and dreamy does that man have to be before your husband, whom you used to call the man of your dreams, is replaced by a fantasy created in a Hollywood studio? Teens. Teens. How sexy does someone have to be before you say, that's sexy enough for me to lose myself in a moment? Our integrity's at stake. What will we give in exchange for our integrity, for our soul? Is it the slightest compromising of one's value for for favor from man? Ask Saul about fearing man more than fearing God. What's the value of man's favor to you? Is it better to have that than God? Doesn't favor come from God anyway? Is it easier to submit to the wishes of humanity than to say yes to a good God? You guys okay? Okay? Not much longer. And we'll just all pray. Will we forfeit principles and long-fought-for territory for temporary relief or pleasure? Will we sell our birthright to appease the gnawing in our hungry stomach? There's a story about that in Matthew 25. Jacob and Esau, remember the story? And Esau's hungry. He's a hunter He's out hunting and he's weary and tired and he comes back and Jacob has cooked his favorite meal. And he didn't just cook a meal, he was being sneaky. He was being like Jacob. He cooked his favorite pot of stew. And Esau comes back and he's like starving, he's ravenous. He's like, I would do anything to have my favorite meal from you, Jacob. And Jacob goes, anything, will you? Why don't you give me your birthright? Why don't you give me the inheritance that comes to you? See, in Bible times, and even in a lot of cultures today, the firstborn son got the largest portion of the inheritance. It's just the way it was. That's not fair. You weren't a firstborn son. See, I was. I think it's really fair. <laughs> I think it's an awesome plan. We need to go back to it. Right? <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> you get nothing. <laughs> so he's like, I am so hungry. You know what? I'll give you my birthright for this soup. He sold his inheritance, the larger portion of his dad's inheritance, he gave it up in a moment of hunger. Gosh. So that leads me to this question Are there shortcuts? And if there are shortcuts, where do they take us? Like, I think there are always shortcuts. I believe with all my heart that there's a path that's right. It's God's path. He lays it out before us, and if we stick to this path no matter how long it takes, we will end up in every checkpoint we're supposed to be along the way and ultimately we'll end up at the prize. But I believe along the way there are these little rabbit trails. These little things that seem like shortcuts, that we all oh, we can get there faster if we do it this way. And I can get there faster if I take a shortcut there. How many of you have ever taken a shortcut and it led to places you didn't think it was going to? A lot of the men. I saw a lot of the men first raise their hands because that's us. Like, no, babe, I know a shortcut. (laughs) That never ends well, right? (laughs) She's laughing at me. She makes fun of me because I grew up in Irving my whole life and I was like, I know every shortcut. Like, I know how to get around the trains. I know how to get, like, if we can turn enough right turns, we don't have to wait at red lights. I mean, I'm the shortcut, you know, magician over here. I, sit, I, I don't even have to think about it. She's like, you, you must be tormented, you know? You're always thinking of the fastest way to get somewhere. I'm like, I don't, it, it just happens. I don't have to even process it. I just think this is the best way. And uh, sometimes they were wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> so are they shortcuts? And where do they lead? Will our wants and our desires supersede what we were created for? Will what I want for myself Have the highest value in me? Or will what God wants for me be higher? That's the question today. Will we sell our values by allowing desire to control our responses and actions? Did you hear that one? Will we sell ourselves and allow desire to be what controls us? James 4, 1 through 8. You can read it later if you want to. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Like all sin comes from desire. It's birth in desire. So if we're led by desire, we cannot do the right things. Desire, fleshly desire. If we're led by this, right? Now there's a godly desire that's being spirit-filled, spirit-led, uh, uh, self-controlled, being led by that. But that's different than the desire I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, des- that fleshly desire, that impulse to just do this thing. Worry about the consequences later. Worry about the price later. That's so our culture today. We're a credit nation. Like, we don't care about today. We don't care about tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, we do care about today. We don't care about tomorrow. Scratch that. We, we care only about today. Who cares how it affects our kids? Look at the national debt. I mean, I love that the Native Americans have this saying that's still true to this day. Like, the land doesn't belong to them. They say we're borrowing it from our children. That's the way we need to think again. Like, husbands in the room. Next week's Father's Day is we're going we're to have a great time and speak about fathers and, and family stuff. But it's up to us to not sell our kids down a river. I mean, I know I would feel a whole lot better if I got to leave something for my kids and didn't leave them a hole. Not just financially. I'm talking about that I won things in my flesh. That I overcame things that they didn't have to mess with. How awesome would it be if us dads stepped up and said, you know what? I'm going to win the private battles for my whole family so that it's easier for all of them. I'm going to win the private battle. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care if I have to call my friend and tell him what's been going through my head or what I've been doing lately. I don't care anymore what the cost is for this. I have to win this private battle. What happens when men of God step up and do that in their homes? The wives will do it, and the kids will find it a lot easier. But we're in this society that says, don't worry about tomorrow. Who cares if the national debt's over $14 trillion? Somehow the economy will come back and boom, and, and we'll tax people enough to make up the that's not how, <laughs> that's not how to, to fix the national debt. Stop spending. Stop spending. In the home, if we have debt, it's not because we don't make enough money. We think, I'll just get a second job or a third job. At the expense of what? Why not discipline ourselves and say, I'll just stop spending so much. No, we don't want, we want to spend. It's not, it's American. I don't want to cook at home. I just want something fast and easy. I don't care if it costs $28 for my family to eat at Wendy's nowadays. I'm going to do it because I don't feel like cooking at home. Or I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I just want this for right now. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'll just declare bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy. Any Office fans in the room? Michael Scott? Anyway. (laughs) I don't think you can actually just say it out loud. (laughs) I think there's a process that you have to go through, right? Oh, man. Sorry. But spiritually, are we bankrupt? And if so, let's stop spending what's valuable. Let's stop wasting what's important. Amen? You guys okay? I think my dad's spirit was in the room last week, and it came over me. And I'm preaching to old school like my dad today. I don't know. And I've got all these bites all over me. Excuse me. I'm fixing to find a piece of pottery and scratch my sword. <laughs> Is it easier for someone with no creative authority to form us into something than it is for the creator? I want you to think about that for a minute. Is it easier for something that has no creative authority? The enemy is not a creative being. Did you know that? He's a perversion. He can't create. He can only pervert. He's a perverted being. He was originally intended... For one purpose, he said, that's not good enough for me. I want the worship for myself. So he perverted his identity and his integrity. And from that day forward, he became a perverted creature with no creative authority. I believe he wrote beautiful songs in heaven before the day he rebelled. I believe he masterfully put together music and symphonies that praised God. I believe he was so creative. Can you imagine the torture that Satan lives in, knowing that he once was creative, and now he's relegated to only be able to pervert? <laughs> Take that. <laughs> I kind of like reminding him of that. He's not creative. So how would we allow something that's not creative, that has zero authority, to shape us into something that's not who our creator says that we are? Does the clay say to the potter, I don't like this. I want to be something else. (laughs) He says, no. The potter tells the clay what he's going to make it. You guys okay? And here's the hardest hitting verse that you'll hear. And we're going to close it out. 2 Peter 2.19 You are a slave... To whatever has mastered you. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. 2 Peter 2 19. I am a slave to whatever has conquered me. It could be lust for anything, for stuff. It could be wanting power. It could be anger and temper frustration, it could be the, my mouth, I just can't control my mouth, I just say whatever I want whenever I want. We are a slave to whatever conquers us. We get our paycheck and we just think of all the things that we want instead of what we need to do with it. So what happens is, in that case, we become a slave to, to our paycheck. And it will tell us what to do with it. And basically, I think it's Hosea says that they earn and earn wages only to put them in bags with holes in it. I think it's Hosea three somewhere in there. Like they, you earn all this stuff, right? And you feel like you're putting it in a bag, and it's just falling right out. Have we ever felt that way financially? In most cases, that's because we haven't put first things first. Yes, okay. So what has made us a slave? What has ensnared us? Today is about cutting ties with anything that causes us to miss the mark. It's about us making sure that there is no space between us. It's about us making sure that nothing has a hold on us except for Daddy and his kingdom. We talk about God and his love a lot here. Amen. We I mean I think that's one of the things that I've been called to do. That's like one of my main messages is to show who God is. He's not what we think he is, he's better. And I think that most of the messages and things that we do here are about daddy and how good he is, and he's he's trustworthy and he's gentle and he's faithful. And because of all those things, because those things are all true, I owe him my integrity. I owe him my soul. I owe him the daily decisions that make everything I say that's for him worth it. I, 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 my sacrifice throughout the week makes my worship valuable because that's really what worship is. It's me saying you're worth it, God. You're more valuable to me than this thing. You're more important to me than this thing. I want you more than this. the only way I know how to end this is if this is for you and you're saying, my integrity is at stake here and you want to sure up some things, I want you just to come up to the front. Find a place here. I'd like for Kyle to come up and, and if you will, I've got a song in my head unless you have something else. Um, but let's make this a place of prayer. Okay? Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Turn our affections towards Him. Say, God, my integrity is more important. So come on up. We'll create some space up here in the altars. All right.
1: The dear for the water, so my soul long So you be people that are pure and holy. You alone are my heart. Desire and I
0: just call to him, tell him you want purity, holiness.
1: You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I want you more than it, the other so much more than it. you alone does my spirit you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you and I want you silver only you can satisfy, you alone are the real joy giver, you're the apple of silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver, you're the apple of Spirit. You alone are my heart's desire. My spirit You alone are my heart desire and alone
0: to worship. I just want us all to pray into this again. Then I'm gonna have everyone sing this to close it out. But Lord, we our integrity's at stake. We thank you for being faithful to us. We want to have power and purity as our message, Lord. We want to have the power of the gospel and the purity of of Jesus become our banner. I ask, Lord, that if there are places in our life that are under attack, that you would give us strength and self-control and discipline to win the private battles so we can have public victory, Lord. God, I ask that you'll protect the innocence of our heart, protect the innocence of our children. Help us, Lord, as fathers and mothers, to lead the charge and purity in our homes to value what's valuable and to kick to the curb what's not important teach us what is really important what's really valuable (laughs) give us an eye like a person who's into antiques They can spot a reel from a phony or from something worthless or something that's valuable. Just by looking, give us that type of eyes spiritually to see what's valuable, to know what's valuable, and to pursue those things. Everyone just, if you will, just sing this. As
1: As the deer pants fall, the water so my soul longs to you You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you want to sing it out to him yet yeah. You alone are my strength my sheep you alone, does my spirit? You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you, my friend. You're my friend, and you are. Brother, even though you are a king I want you more than any other So much more than anything Sing, I want you more than gold or silver I want you more than gold silver only you can not satisfy you alone you alone are the real joy giver you're the apple of my eye you alone are my strength my strength Does my spirit?
0: Tell him he's captured your heart. You've captured my heart, Lord. My heart belongs to you. I only have eyes for wealthiest people are the ones that know what's valuable and they put their their authority their time their resources into what's valuable i want to be wealthy and wise i want to invest into what's valuable family community god church that's what's valuable seek first the kingdom all the other things will be added.
1: When I think of your goodness, it's all you've done for me. could ever be, was poured out on me, it makes me alive inside, and Jesus, Jesus, the most beautiful name. The most precious name I know when I think. When I think of your goodness and all you've done for me, I come alive inside. The greatest love there could ever be. Was poured out on me It makes me alive inside Jesus Jesus The most beautiful name I know Jesus Jesus the most precious name I know
0: Would you say this prayer with me and if you mean it from your heart then It's done. Heaven backs it up. (laughs) Uh, Lord Jesus, I love you. My heart is yours forever. Teach me to value you the way you value me. Show me what's important and help me to discipline myself, to invest in those things. Help me to do the things that please you more and more and to do the things that break your heart less and less. Come live in me. Abide in me. I will abide in you. And we will produce fruit. Good fruit that will remain. Amen. <sighs> Remember last week we talked about the, the distinct difference between punishment and discipline? If you heard punishment today, you need to know Daddy. Today was not punishment. Today was discipline. And when I was growing up, I told you this, but when I was growing up and I got a spanking, I had two talks. I had the talk before, and I had the talk afterwards. I really liked the talk afterwards. Because that's when Daddy would hug me and tell me how much he loves me and that he does this because he loves me. And so today, sometime, right now, right now is great. Have a conversation with Daddy. Let him talk to you because he just disciplined us. Let him tell you how he feels about you so that you don't walk away feeling like you were hurt and punished, but that you walk away empowered. Punishment hurts and crushes. Discipline empowers. I want us as a church to be empowered And I love the Lord's discipline. It doesn't always feel great. (laughs) It isn't always what we want to hear, but it's always what we need. And for the rest of our Christian life, we will be disciplined because He loves us. And because that discipline makes us more fruitful, always. So, be fruitful, multiply, and live long and prosper, everybody. And if you need to stay where you're at, have a chat with dad, this is the place to do it. We love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday night.